Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian yes, sir. and Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And we're going to tell some stories today. That's what we're going to do. But not, Story not, time. Now, when I was a, now, when I was a kid... Yeah. And someone said, like my grandparents, they said, are you telling me a story? That meant I was lying. <laughs> right? No, these are not the kind of stories that we're going to tell. We're going to tell the kind like you just said, yeah. Tom, where it's like, like story it's time a story, story time. Yeah, right? yeah. Because if your grandparents said, I want to tell you a story, come sit by me, you probably got excited about it. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Now, when I was raising my kids, uh, and if they were listening to this, uh, they're, they're, they're not cool to listen to Dad on the radio. But if they did, they would all smile if I said, hey... Uh, and they'd say, tell me a story. i say, go get my handbook. And the handbook. And so I'd hold my hands like in a prayer fashion, but then I'd open it up. Once upon a time. <laughs> and tell them a story out of the handbook. Nice. So, and it great. would always involve them. And it's like there was a little girl named Megan. You know? So uh, anyway, it always ended up well, by the way. They were never eaten by the shark or <laughs> you know, blown away by the tornado or not, nothing like that. Anyway, any, we've now digressed. Yes. <laughs> But it's important to talk about stories. And the reason why, uh, Sam, this was your idea for a show, to talk about the concept of parables. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. Right? And so the whole idea of the... Uh, now, you also get that easily confused with, like, the paranormal, which is not what we're <laughs> talking about uh, at all. And um, parachutes. You don't yeah. want to jump out of a plane armed only with parables. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Practical advice. See, the Catholic Cafe is a place where you can come. You can extend your, your lifetime, your time yes, here on Earth, yes, listening to, to, to Sam. All right. Anyway, that was paranormal because that was not normal, what he just did there. But parables are, you know, we, we know them. We've heard them. And now a lot of people say, like, you know, the stories in the Bible. And uh, and I, there's there are countless uh, parables in the Bible. I mean, just we all know the parable of the talents, the prodigal son, the lost coin, the ten virgins, the Pharisees and the tax collector, the houses built on rock and sand, the mustard seed, the rich fool, the lost sheep, the sheep and the goats, the good Samaritan, uh, Tom Dorian's hair, all these parables. <laughs> amazing truth. And That's then, in Revelation, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Uh, double-edged sword. Your hair cuts <laughs> yeah. like a double-edged sword. Um, no, and so, and then this particular weekend, as this show airs, uh, we have the reading from Matthew in the the sower and the seed. You know, when you were reading aloud all the different titles of the parables, it was like if the Gospels had a greatest hit CD. Yes, and that would be those tracks would all be on the CD. And I think part of it is there's something about parables, just like you look forward to hearing story time from your father. There's something about parables that sticks with you. Yes, and moves the heart. You know, it's kind of like when uh, the way that a song. Like you can remember the words of a song because of the because of the music, right? Mm-hmm. There's something that, that, that holds on to the message simply because of the, the tune that it's that it's sung to. Uh, and there's so there's there's some connectivity between the 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 words that are said and what's being taught and some kind of other connection in your life. Uh, you know, not so much uh, the senses of music, but like your lived experience, right? So something cultural or societal, something uh, in your history. And so when you hear a story, you can remember 
the story more than you can like, what does the Catholic Church teach about such and such? Mm-hmm. And so you, you're a lot more likely, I think, to be able to recall a, um, a parable than you will to recall a doctrine. And if you can recall the parable, you can usually stop and ruminate a little bit, ponder, and you're going to come up with the doctrine. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right? So I, I think there's something beautiful uh, in that, and some things haven't changed in 2,000 years. Right. Which is kind of beautiful. So, I, I, you know, I, I wonder if we should just, like, well, start by asking why does Jesus teach in parables? Why couldn't he just come out and say it? Why couldn't Jesus say, this is good, this is bad? Any questions? Let's have lunch. Right? Why, why, why wasn't it that simple? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind here, we we hear the word relationship all the time in terms of we're called to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's absolutely true, but I think a lot of times that kind of we lose track of the root word of relationship, which is relate. And being to re- able to relate to one another is key to building a relationship, and I think that that's exactly what Jesus is doing. He's taking, especially with his audience, a largely agricultural audience, had largely agricultural parables, right? He's relating to them in terms that they can relate to by what they take in by their senses on a daily basis, and he's infusing that with divine wisdom to awaken them to the ability to see God in those little things. Yeah, exactly, I think. And relate, is that's a key, because if you're just saying things that they won't necessarily get right off the top, you know, because he had, I don't say limited windows, I mean, he's got a you know, three-year public ministry. I don't, you know, that I would have known that, Lord, you've only got three years, you better get all this stuff in here. He would know all these things, but the thing is, his encounters with these people who were following him around, and, and, and large audiences... Right, it's not like sometimes he did just kind of speak straight to them, but many times he didn't, or he would I say not straight, but he would he would speak in these parables. And you know, it's interesting when I ask, like, well, why did he speak in parables? That's exactly what the disciples asked him in this gospel, mm-hmm. right? This this weekend it says the disciples approached him and said, "Why do you speak them to them in parables?" He said to them in reply, "Because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven." has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because they look but do not see, and hear but do not listen or understand. So he goes on and says more, but it's interesting that he answers their question about parables with a parable. Yes, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, essentially it's like, you know, it's like, Jesus, why do you do this? You know, a man had two cows. And he, says, he answers them by, by, by saying that anyone who has more, uh, who has, more will be given. He will grow rich. Right? So he's, he's, he's helping them understand why he's doing what he's doing, but explaining why he's doing what he's doing with an example of doing what he's doing, which well, I thought was kind of funny. If he just came out and with, a, and with like a, an ancient, you know... Uh, dry erase board and said here guys here's what I want you to learn today then those who are already inclined to be mad at Jesus for this or that reason they're going to look at this or that doctrine and just say well that's a jerk thing for that guy to say you know and and just get frustrated and be able to say well that's unfair because of this this and this whereas if he's telling a story and they're like I have no idea what he just said 
you know, whereas other people who get it and who are infused with the divine wisdom are able to hear and have ears to hear, mm-hmm. there's a there's a, a certain level of uh, he's able to speak through the Holy Spirit. It's almost like a little bit of a code, yeah, to some degree to those who who whose hearts are hardened, right? But I think that even to those hardened hearts, I think that some of them might have walked away from those encounters and might have thought a little bit about. We don't know in all the stories of the Bible how uh, a certain Pharisee, and f- although we do know that some of the Pharisees, Sadducees, some of the scribes would come and find Jesus at night. Yes. Right? And they'd want to know more because something stirred in them and, and, and it might have been listening to a parable because the thing is, this whole idea of parables and relating to people, um, he's talking primarily to those who, as he says specifically, um, he says, because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. Right? right? And he says, further of them, they look but do not see and hear but do not listen or understand. And so these stories are things that they can see and hear, and they can picture themselves in these situations. And because I guarantee that somebody listening is going like, you know what? I had 10 coins, but then I lost one. And it's like, oh my goodness, what, would I turn the place upside down? In fact, I just did it last Wednesday. Right. Right. I know exactly what he's talking about. And then Jesus looks at him and says, that's exactly what your Heavenly Father does for you when you stray, when, you, when you're lost. He'll do everything to get you found again, right? Mm-hmm. Or the parable of lost sheep or, or whatever. And, and, I, and I think that there are ways in which people can go like, oh, I get it now. Whereas before, if it was, like you said, a whiteboard or, or whatever, a purely doctrinal discussion, mm-hmm. that's where you know Jesus will say, but you know what? I can have doctrinal discussions with you guys. Because as, as, as he said, the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven have been granted mm-hmm. to his like confidants, this small group. Right? The Holy Spirit's already been on them and helped them to see all of this stuff, and they know and they believe. So, you know, they can sit and smoke cigars in a in a in a back room, and they can talk about this stuff on a on a level that most people couldn't do. Well, I think another thing that's worth considering, I'm, I'm thinking, and back, I don't know if they smoke cigars. I'm sure you're clear about that. <laughs> but I think back to some of the the great saints. You know, like Saint Bernadette. Uh, uh, this from the Lords was reputed to not be terribly bright, you know, in herself. Like, that was her reputation in school, and that's the case with a lot of saints, including Saint Joseph of Cupertino. They did that film, The Reluctant Saint, about him, right. and that was a big centerpiece of that whole film was his simplicity, his mental simplicity. Um, and people, who did they call the dumb ox? Right. Oh, they called the dumb <laughs> ox. They called Saint Thomas Aquinas. That guy, though, not quite dumb. But with with Saint Joseph of Cupertino, though. He's someone where you start questioning, well, maybe he is kind of slow. But then there's a scene where I believe he's explaining to a cardinal or an archbishop the doctrine of the Trinity using a blanket, saying, oh, look, same blanket, but three different folds within the same blanket. And the archbishop or the cardinal says, ah, this man has wisdom. And even though he didn't have what they expected you know what they measured intelligence by in seminaries you know in terms of the typical measuring sticks he had divine wisdom and that was sort of a parable that he was doing right. with the blanket and i think that that's it's it's something powerful that jesus is equipping everybody no matter sort of what their intellectual capabilities might be to see hear and transmit 
the wisdom of God even unto the learned. Right, and and you can also say that the gospel is applicable to everyone from top to bottom in terms of levels of acceptance or intellect or power or whatever the measuring stick is. The, the gospel message is applicable to everyone. And so sometimes, you know, they'll come, something will come through the head or through the heart. Maybe it comes through the, through the hands and the feet in terms of, uh, you know, uh, your, your cultural, your tactile, or your real life experiences, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the message, however it permeates, however it gets in, right, that's why Jesus didn't only teach in parables, right? Mm-hmm. He taught in other ways as well. And so that's why it's important to understand how powerful parables can be, mm-hmm. uh, and and what they and what they did, and and how it opened up the gospel for so many different people, and still to this day, they 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 do those same parables kind of live on. Um, so we have more to talk about here with the concept of of parables. Uh, we'll do that in just a second. Uh, we're going to take a break first, um, but then you know what? Before we take the break, I want to remind folks at home we got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me a, a email, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And like us on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. Like and share our posts and comment on them. It makes a difference. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bester Zemski, and this is another great moment in church history. On October 7th, 1571, the great naval battle of Lepanto was fought between the Ottoman Turks and an alliance of Catholic kingdoms assembled by Pope Pius V. This titanic sea battle, fought for the freedom of Christianity in Europe and the preservation of Western civilization, was entrusted to the patronage of our Blessed Mother through the intercession of Our Lady of Victory. The Ottoman Turks had been trying to dominate the Mediterranean Sea with their navy for many years. They slowly captured small Christian outposts and sold much of the population into slavery. The Ottoman armies were brutal and merciless. They sought to exterminate Christianity from all of Europe. After the Turks began the conquest of Cyprus, a small island in the Mediterranean Sea, all Christian Europe became alarmed. Pope Pius V recognized the threat from the Turkish forces and convinced the political rulers of the day to form an alliance that might defend the Christian people of Europe from the threat of the Ottoman Turks. Pius assembled the brave knights of Malta, the Kingdom of Spain, the Venetians, and several other Italian kingdoms into a naval force that was finally able to challenge Turkish naval dominance. The last knight of Christendom, Don Juan of Austria led the Christian forces. On the day of the great battle of Lepanto, the Pope implored all of Christian Europe to seek the intercession of Our Lady of Victory through praying the rosary. As the Christian ships met the Ottoman host on the turbulent seas, Pius V led a rosary procession through St. Peter's Square in Rome. The entire endeavor was given over to the care of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Pope was given a vision, which assured him that the Christian forces had prevailed. There was a great foreboding that the Christian forces were going to fail against the superior Turkish fleet, but through the Pope's faith and the intercession of Our Lady of Victory, the Christian fleet miraculously carried the day and drove the enemy ships out of Christian waters. The Turkish losses were so great that they were never able to recoup their strength as a mighty naval power. 
Pius V commemorated the Christian victory at Lepanto through the Blessed Mother's intercession by establishing the Feast of Our Lady of Victory. Pope Paul VI changed the name of the feast to Our Lady of the Rosary. This feast day is celebrated on October the 7th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting here with uh, Sam and with Tom, and we are talking about parables. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, listen, you know, here's the thing about parables. They, they were applicable then. And now, what if people say now, you know, really, I mean, that may have worked 2,000 years ago, but these are modern days. We're mostly educated folk. We kind of get stuff. You know, we're a lot more intellectualized than we were before, you know. And so why do we still need parables? Or do we need parables? Well, today I say there's a man that had two email accounts. Yes, and here's <laughs> That's a modern parable. The man I didn't mean to interrupt you, Tom. No, I said absolutely we need, need parables today. Why, Tom? Why would you need a parable? Because you already get it, don't you? Aren't you one of the people? Uh, ultimately, it's a- about love, man. It's about Jesus Christ loving us, our Father loving us. And he's given us stories to bring them back to him. So, but why do you think the stories are still relevant? I guess versus people don't know they're loved. So I can't just tell you that you're loved. I think Tom, you can, you're loved. <laughs> I think you can tell me that, but if you can't give me a relatable story, which is what a parable is, then it's sometimes hard for me yeah, to see. Yeah, I'm picking on you, but you're exactly right because it's still. I mean, we are we are human beings that in in in, in many senses we've not changed in two thousand no. years. Right, we still have sin problems. We still have needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still hunger. We still thirst. We still get up every morning when the sun comes up, and we go to bed when the sun goes down. And I mean, there's we're, there's still things that are that are eternal truths with how we live our lives, etc. And there's still a hunger and a need for us to relate to to things, to right. see, uh, to uh, to buy into it, to be able to say, you know what, I accept that. Right. Um, and and it has to mean something and relate to us in some profound way. And I I would. I would say that it's not that we don't use parables anymore. I, I think we use parables all the time now. Mm-hmm. Um, we may call them different things. I know when I preach and when I teach, I use analogies all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I help people see a reality. Um, what I perceive as what you know, what 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 the scripture is teaching. How do I say that in a way? When someone says, "Like you know, I'm just I don't like the doctrine of the church. I just don't mm-hmm. like how, how is why would the church tell me what gender I can or cannot be? Mm-hmm. Right? Why can't I choose my own gender?" And so, when I have a high school student in front of me and we're talking, and I say, "Let me ask you a question. If you were standing uh, and a tsunami was coming at you at at 900 miles an hour and 300 feet high wave of water, could you just will that it would not be? That it's like I will that you are a uh, you know a big ball of cotton candy." You know, can can you do that? Uh, no, and they're you can't. like they're like no. And I said, so why do you think then that you can just change nature? You can just change biology. You can just redefine it and say it doesn't exist. Well, because there's a reality going to happen to the person that stands in front of the tsunami. Mm-hmm. And and the reason why I'm saying it that way is suddenly they they they're, you could watch they start to process. Mm-hmm. I even had one kid say to me when I used that specific example. He said. I have never heard it put that way before. I'm going to have to think about this. Now, I don't know if he ever agreed with mm-hmm. me, ultimately, but at the end of the day, it made him think. Right. And so we're still using 
the idea of a parable, the idea of a story, the idea of something that's relatable, mm-hmm. right? And and these stories back then, so many of them were agricultural. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam, you're joking about a man had two email accounts. You know, uh, and and whatever it is, a a man had two cars. I mean, that that would never happen. You know, in the old uh, two thousand years ago. So that's why it's like a man had two oxen or two right. horses or right. or you know two daughters you know and one was like this and one was like that you know and the thing is um, those were things that people go like I get it I get what he's trying to say and mm-hmm. even if they didn't get it immediately they would have to they would ponder they were forced to ponder well I think part of it is we're we're tipping to be stuck in our our own typical framework of thinking mm-hmm. and forming the, the 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 conclusions that we're just going to tend to form in everyday life but when you give a person a parable you're actually lifting them out of their framework and inviting them into another way of seeing right and experiencing i think that but also he's also giving us tools to share the story beyond i mean i I can relate that story a lot easier to someone than just some other as we stated before you can remember a story right Right, you can remember that story. It's kind of like telling a joke. I mean, these aren't jokes. Parables, parables are not jokes, you know. But the point is, you can remember a joke. You right. can remember the story, uh, you know, a farmer, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and the thing is, th- then once you remember it, you can pass it on. Other people remember it. And then you can ponder and discern, right. like, its deeper and more profound meaning. Yep, that's exactly right? right. And then all of a sudden, you apply it to your life, and then your life has changed. Right. So that's a that's a powerful thing. Sam, I um, we don't have a lot of time, but but I know that like you recently had an experience where you actually wrote a parable. I did, I did. I had a, a, a conversation with. It was rejected by six major publishers, but, <laughs> but we're not going to go there. But it made it to the Catholic Cafe. <laughs> we'll publish anything. <laughs> have a donut, Tom. <laughs> so there was a group of young adult women, and I, I knew because I knew them that one area in which we differed was. Uh, on the church's view related to sex and sexuality and, mm-hmm. and chastity, which can be an uncomfortable, very sensitive topic. Not to an easy discuss. thing to talk about. No, yeah. exactly. So you're the only guy in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, I, as Providence would have it, that's where we were, the conversation was led. And I was asked point blank, what's the point of the church's teaching on, on, on sex and sexuality? And I had to take some time and pray with that. Because I, I didn't want to answer the question in such a way that would drive them away or make them feel like judged or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to cast a vision for what truly is the point of this stuff. Let me guess. You wrote a parable. I, well, I felt like God did because I actually fell out of bed. I prayed about it. I fell out of bed and I woke up and I had this exact parable in my head and I, I emailed them. Uh, did you hit your head too when you fell I out of bed? Because that's what did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> but basically what it was was it was about a little boy and a little girl and they they had really terrible life and a really terrible village struck with poverty and everything and they went off to this forest to play and this angel had led them into this garden and this garden had everything this garden had uh, this, this fruit that the moment you picked it it would grow uh, and, and as you ate it, it was beautiful, and it just filled you with truth, beauty, and goodness. It was this amazing place. And uh, the angel said the one rule was, stay here until I get back. 
Well, kids being kids, they decided, you know, as time went on, that they wanted to go ahead and grab fistfuls of the fruit and bring them home to their parents because their parents had such a tough life and bring it up to the people in the village so they could see what's out, what this garden had to offer. By the time they got home and they pulled the fruit out of their hands, all the fruit was decayed. Mm-hmm. It was just this black, moldy mess uh, in their hands. And... Um, You're scaring the children. I know. Well, but the point of the story, the point of the st- of that was Sam. That what is the meaning of the parable? <laughs> when we're if we're taking the, the the good things of God out of the garden, we're subjecting them to that, that kind of decay and that kind of spoil. And that ultimately, Christianity is a re- an invitation to return to the garden. But we're we're called to experience the things of the garden in communion with God and communion with how he is calling us to receive and enjoy them. And so uh, there's more to the story than that, but bottom line is it actually... Was it received well? It was. And in fact, one of the girls ended up breaking up a relationship that had some elements to it that required it to be... Hmm broken up so yeah so uh, you know it's interesting and and i think that um in my own experiences with uh with analogies and and other further um, uh, use of parables that i use all the time is hypotheticals you know you just don't call it that but you say like well say this happened and this happened and then that happened and that person did what would you do or what do you see and then you because that's another way in which to bring the parable in so these young ladies who um, certainly, we're, we're um, well-educated, as it were, in, in the ways of the world or, or what they believe something to be true. And there was a difference, you note, between what you thought or what the church taught and what they thought and what, the, what they thought the church taught also. You know, that you'd be able to use a story to be able to sort of say, like, well, look at it this way. Because that's also worked for me to be able to say, this is not like my opinion, but this is why the church might teach the way she does about this particular topic. And when you phrase it like that, it's amazing how people will go like, "Oh, you know what? I didn't, I didn't see that connection." But I'll, I'll, I've gotten this a lot, Sam, and I don't know if you got this at the end of your particular parable you shared with those ladies. But it's like they'll say, "You know what? I don't agree with you, but I get where you get that. Mm-hmm. I get why." The church would teach that it makes sense for the church to teach something like that. I don't agree with it. That that's may I don't know if that's personal pride or maybe we just got some more work there. But I think those the ideas of the of the parable, of the story, of the analogy, of the hypothetical actually brings it into a realm that they can't argue with because it's a story. Or you know it's like like it's a hypothetical, right? You know, and so then they're forced to like actually look at the elements, the the players. And the actions that are taking place, and then draw a conclusion based on that, and that's that's very different. So mm-hmm. this idea, thank you for sharing your parable. Uh, <laughs> I hope one of the publishers picks it up. Uh, and this idea of parables, don't let it die. Parents, tell your kids stories, mm-hmm. right? And listen to the stories. There's there's great truth in these parables, and another great truth is our mother loves us. Mary is always praying for us. <laughs> Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. 
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.